0: What's going on y'all? Hope everybody is well. Uh, It is uh, the 17th of February 2022. This is your morning commute with In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But, until we really figure out what that means, until we get organized, and until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, and I'd like to say thank you so much for stopping by. we got a bit to talk about today, and uh, we're going to approach it one step at a time. As uh, some folks know... uh, you know, the way the show kind of goes for the morning commute is I kind of just ramble. If you're not down with that, you know, you can get with one of my guest episodes, like the one I recently did with Henry Huckamaki, or the incredible ones I've done with Ramiro Sebastian Foynez and Comrade Libre of the Troika Collective. You can check out my episode I did with Elena from the Red Nation or Zicato from Bands of Turtle Island. Or you can go check out any of those shows yourself and those, uh, you know, organizations. Because I think that that would be far more important than just, you know, giving my episode a listen. But if you've had, you know, find any interest in it, it's there. But, you know, they themselves each do work. They each make content. So they all got plenty out there that I think you should check out. So, um yeah, if this is your first time tuning in, go ahead and say what's up somewhere. You can rate or review the show on Spotify or iTunes. Let me know for real what you think. Uh, you can DM me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or Facebook and let me know what you think of the show. Or you can send me an email to indefensiveliberation at gmail.com and uh, give me a long form rundown of you know what you're up to how things have been in your end how you think the show is going whether or not you think that you know shows like this are worthwhile or whether I should be dedicating my time to something else I'd love to hear from you you know there's a lot of stuff that bounces around in my mind or a lot of stuff that I think about this podcast and other things that I do and uh, maybe we're thinking the same thing so we'll never know until you reach out so please feel free to do so because I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to learn from you and I'd love to talk to you. So just know that. Know that I'm here to build relationships. I'm here to connect with y'all and I'm here to connect with anybody and any organization that I can. So if and when you know you reach out, you have organizations you think I should get a hold of or guests that I should get on the show or get on the shows of, please feel free to let me know about them. I'd love to hear about them and I'd love to have new content to learn from and uh, to check out. So Anyways, now that we're done with that, if this is you tuning back in, what's up? You already know what the deal is. We're about to get going, so let's talk about it. First and foremost, before I really, really dive into some of my deeper thoughts, uh, I wanted to do a little news coverage. We've done a little news coverage before, and there was these two topics that I was reading about yesterday that I wanted to talk about, but I I didn't didn't have the time or the energy yesterday, so we're going to talk about them today. So right now, there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of active people's movements of many different characters and many different stripes going on across the world, even here on the continental, what we might call North America. Well, one of those big movements that I think a lot of folks need to be paying attention to and need to be watching is the March of Millions and the ongoing Uh, resistance movement to the coups and the uh, multiple military juntas that have uh, been put in place in uh, Sudan, and uh, really take a look uh, especially at how they are organizing themselves and reacting to the forms of repression that they're suffering because so this is two days ago now um two folks were killed in a protest and a uh, uh, mobilization in the city of khartoum um 172 were in injured 20 of whom were shot by live rounds um or shot at by live round, live rounds this is the 18th protest that have ta- has taken place since the coup in 2019. Um, now, that is, that's meaningful because what we have to remember is we had many, many, many big protests and mass mobilizations here on Turtle Island over the last few years. And because of the immense amount of police repression and violence, a lot of them have not been able to consistently remobilize. Um, Not necessarily so, but a lot of them have struggled to continue getting the same numbers each time. Again, not always, because that's not a generalizable thing, because a lot of the fucking movements that were taking place in some of the most oppressed communities were really, really, really not going anywhere. And that's what we're seeing in Sudan. You know, No matter what these police and the military are doing, no matter what the United States and other countries say needs to be done, The people of Sudan are not giving up on their freedom. They're not giving up on their democracy. So there's a few things that I wrote down that I felt were of importance. So we're just gonna kind of break them down bullet point style. This is essentially going through the People's Dispatch article that was written because, you know, I was taking bullet points as I was reading it. But um, so essentially 15 barricades have been set up on the border between Sudan and Egypt because Egypt has been known to be a uh, harbinger or a a supporter, a protector of a lot of the uh, reactionary and counter-revolutionary forces that have been going through in Sudan and other nations throughout Africa and uh, committing war crimes, committing violence. Uh, Egypt also, for folks who don't know, is a huge supporter of Israel. Uh, and a huge participant in the uh oppression and genocide against the Palestinian people, Egypt is also actively uh doing the same against their own people. Look up some of the organizers and uh, activists since the Arab Spring who have been jailed, tortured, killed, beaten up, and uh, you know silenced, completely silenced. So one of the barricades was torn down the other day. And a uh, gentleman was actually ran over. Um, Let me see if I wrote the name down here. I believed that I had. Um, No, I did not, unfortunately. But yeah, there was uh, somebody who had been manning one of the barricades who had been run over. And so I believe that this protest had also a connection to calling out that murder and uh, calling out the continued uh, repression against the Sudanese people. Um. So he wasn't the only one either because five have been run over by security forces since a lot of these protests began. Uh, one of the main other ways in which they're attacking people, because as I mentioned, they're firing live rounds, running people over. They're shooting rubber bullets, but also they're shooting tear gas canisters, which we saw the police doing this here uh, in the United States during the Uh, kind of subsequent mobilizations that have happened since uh, I'd say probably the turn of the century, but as we know for a long, long time before then, but they would fire tear gas candidates point blank range right at people's heads at people's chests Uh, about uh, like 2000, there's been 2400 reported injuries as of two days ago that have happened against the Sudanese protesters. Of those 2,400, 1,024 were caused by tear gas canisters uh, causing blunt trauma damage. Uh, A lot of folks are also dying from asphyxiation, like we saw that one nursing student up there in, uh, I think it was in Minneapolis, Minneapolis or Portland, uh, during the uh, mass mobilizations in 2020 against police brutality. Uh, she ended up dying because she was giving uh, medical assistance to someone and she had asthma and she ended up, uh, you know, dying of asphyxiation from the tear gas. So tear gas, this supposedly non-lethal form of, you know, repressive violence is 100% lethal. So I don't want to hear shit about these violent protests. I want to hear shit about the violent protest killers, a.k.a. the police and the military fuck y'all anyways um so this is also what i wanted to get to because the organization that is happening here the response by the you know oppressed and exploited people of sudan has been incredible so they've set up 5,200 resistance committees so essentially And I, you know, don't quote me on this, but to give you a broad picture of what a resistance committee can look like, a resistance committee can be a group of people within a neighborhood or within a certain block area that have, you know, a connection to some of the central organizing forces or have been participating in protests and mass mobilizations long enough to be trusted with, you know, the passing of information, knowledge of certain things that the average protester, or the average person might not be aware of, you know, and kind of also the responsibility of helping people, the responsibility of knowing what kind of repressive forces you're going to be facing off against, knowing what kind of, you know, materials, knowing what kind of equipment you're going to need, knowing how to encourage and embolden people to keep coming out. I mean, they've had 18 plus protests with almost a million people, uh, you know, uh, coming out. And so this is an incredible uh, movement that takes a lot a lot of people doing a lot a lot of work so that's what these resistance committees are it's groups of people who know what the fuck is up they've been participating for long enough that they can be trusted and they're going around and they're helping uh, embolden and encourage people to participate within the movement so there's 5200 resistance committees across 17 different cities And there is also different central committees and different organizations that are not necessarily considered part, you know, resistance groups, but are taking part in assisting with the resistance, such as the Central Committee of Sudanese Doctors uh, and the East Cartoon Neighborhood Resistance Committees, uh, uh, which I guess the second one, that one is directly connected to the the resistance. Sorry, my uh, sentence combined into two. But, um, you know, a lot of what's going on right now is the Sudanese folks in the last few months have seen the bulk of their food, their cattle, their livestock, and other exports being produced and sold and leaving Sudan and leaving Sudanese people hungry, leaving them without any kind of sustenance or substance to support themselves. And uh, you know they have uh, culture and a community and an economic mode of production that is very much based on this—not uh, necessarily rural—but uh, you know this person-to-person, small producer, uh, agricultural worker in some cases, or wage worker uh, economy because. Sudan is a colonized nation. So because of that, their economy has not been able to be developed for themselves. So that is why what they are really calling for is a full civilian government. They said that they will not stop. They will continue. The quote says, we will continue building these barriers until we achieve a full civilian government. That is by Mukhtar Uh, Barium, which I'm quite sure, if I am incorrect again, please, please correct me. I believe that that is the the person who was run over and killed. Um, But yeah, a majority of these foodstuffs, you know, as we see here in the United States as well, the majority of the production is owned by these huge, huge uh, multinational corporations that then, you know, exploit and underpay, overwork, and undervalue the Sudanese people for their products, for their labor, for their raw materials. And uh, they use it for their advantage, their profiteering, and their, you know, continued control over the economy, the military, and all other forces, both within and without Sudan. So anyways, that's something I think a lot of folks should be keeping an eye on. Uh, you can check out the Punch Out with Eugene Perrier. You can also check out By Any Means Necessary with, uh, uh Jack and Luke Mon and Sean Blackman. You can also check out, uh, Unmasking Imperialism with Ramiro Sebastian Foinez, People's Dispatch and Give the People What They Want with Vijay Prashad, Prashanth, and Zoe. Um, and, uh, where else can you go? You can check out Kawasaki News. That's always a good one as well. Uh, you can check out... Let me see here. You should check out The Empire Files. You could check out... Uh, let me see. I'm looking over my podcasts and the content that I commonly check out. Because there are a lot of great, great shows out there. And I don't always remember to mention them. But, I mean, you can check out The Red Nation podcast. You can check out The East is a podcast. Uh, this is Hell, Revolutionary Left Radio, Guerrilla History Podcast, Citations Needed, Working People Podcast, Africa World Now Project, Anti-Conquista, there's plenty of them out there, but I think what you, know, you really need to be doing is you got to be tying all that in with a material and historical analysis of these areas, of these regions, and of the people. You know, you got to understand what's the underlying factors, what's the contradictions that are leading towards these certain developments, you know. Because you have people's movements that take a, uh, shall we say, proletarian or uh, liberatory character, and then you have, uh, you know, movements that have working people in them, such as the trucker convoy or such as, you know, different religious extremist uh, movements that, uh, you know, attack certain exploited and oppressed groups. Like, you know, right now in India, you have the BJP, the uh, Hindu Nationalist Party that commonly I'm seeing all over Instagram that uh, have, you know, hordes of... There was a video of a bunch of young schoolboys breaking into a schoolroom where uh, some young girls were, were... learned taking a lesson and they basically went in there and they harassed them and then I'm sure some folks saw on Twitter that video of you know a lot of the Muslim women students who were trying to pass through a certain area to walk to their school were blocked off by uh, farmers and uh, different uh, workers who didn't believe uh, that they should be going where they were going And, you know, a lot of that stuff is contextual. A lot of that stuff is difficult. And we definitely don't want to and shouldn't want to add to the ever-growing contradictions between groups of people. We here on the show demand that all people are, uh, you know, humans. All people need one another. All people are connected uh, and uh, are required for the sustenance and the maintenance of one another. So I don't say this to say we need to go after, you know, obviously Hindus. But to go after the BJP wouldn't be a bad thing. To go after Narendra Modi wouldn't be a bad thing. To call out the continuous faults of You know, these different types of governments like Jair Bolsonaro's or Ivan Duque's or uh, Duterte's in the Philippines or, you know, others around the world. It's not to attack the people, right? We don't want to attack the people. We got no beef with the people of these nations. We got beef with their ruling class governments and their ruling class structure that is based on their exploitation and oppression. And leading towards further, you know, destruction of working class movements and people's groups that are trying to do something about this. Even so much as, you know, looking at how uh, groups that do community gardens or go down to houseless, uh, you know, uh, areas and, and hand out food, how policed they are. I've seen videos of just, you know community gardens in you know certain communities in cities and in more you know exploited areas where cops just come in and with no fucking respect whatsoever just sweep the legs of a lifted bed, you know, uh potting area or, you know, pull uh plants or tomatoes or carrots or whatever out the ground off the the, the vine and, you know, smash them or toss them or whatever. I, You know, I, I saw a video the other day. Also, let's talk about this real quick before we move into our next subject. And let us center here real quick before I say it. The police, I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's your brother. I don't care if it's your father. I don't care if it's you. You go fuck yourself. Quit your goddamn job. You're a fucking tool of the state. You're a special armed body for the state to repress the working class. That is precisely the role that the... Uh, Private militaries and the police play within our society is the uh, the policing of property, or I should say, the policing of people and the protection of property, uh, and the protection of the ruling class status quo. So, anyways, I saw two videos this week, two videos that made me cry and made me really, really upset. And I'm sure you know I'm not the only person that feels that way, but. I saw a video of a six-year-old girl being arrested in her school in the principal's office because they suspected her of stealing. I also saw a video of a 13-year-old girl who got slammed, I'm talking slammed, to the fucking ground by this like six-foot, you know, Oakley-wearing, muscle-having white cop with a fucking big-ass chest With his buddy right behind him standing on her fucking legs when he slammed her. She's squirming around. He just keeps fucking bashing her on the ground. And I know we all saw that video of that fucking cop beating the shit out of that young man in the snow pile there while his girlfriend was watching. You know what that is? That's an active war. That's an active attack on the people. And we will not, and we will not expect any compassion from the people when we receive none so we got another movement that's going on right the ALBA movement that's ALBA there's all kinds of different uh, you know forms of unity movements that are trying to be developed in the global south um, in Latin America in the Caribbean in Africa and in Asia uh, but this this Alba, uh, this Continental Alba meeting is meant to uh, it's meant to happen between May 27th or excuse me, April 27th and May 2nd of this year and 150 delegates or 150 delegations uh, are meant to be there to be present, to discuss a few different things uh, so there's a few different questions that it seems they are framing and wanting to uh, put forward. And this is going to lead us into some questions that we're going to ask on the show and discuss a little bit. So one of the first questions they want to answer is how do we bring the peoples of the continent, uh, that is Latin America and and the Caribbean, together to fight for a common project with the forces we have in this moment? And how do we build a correlation of forces to defeat imperialism and to work towards life through the people and for the people, as well as a second and definitive independence for our America. Uh, These are the tasks that are facing the people's movements The organizations and the individuals that are fighting uh, uh, systemic colonialism, imperialism, capitalism, racism, sexism, uh, police brutality, inequality, impoverishment, and the pandemic. So there's a few issues that they presented uh, in the article. The first being... The recent, over the course of the last 20 or so years, rise of right-wing and far-right governments within countries like Brazil, uh, Argentina, Honduras. uh, But, you know, a lot of these countries right now, like Honduras, uh, just recently had a people's movement and a political movement led by the uh, Libre Party, Xiomara Castro and many others who have been fighting since her husband was overthrown in a coup uh, to re-establish democracy, re-establish uh, normal relations, and re-establish some form of stability. And in, in Brazil... You have groups like the MST and the PCB, among many, many others, calling for uh, plenty of things, but most importantly, economic equality, popular power, and a movement intent on eradicating the ruling class structure that exists today. So, you have individuals, like I mentioned, Ivan Duque, Jair Bolsonaro, uh, Mauricio Macri, uh, and uh, one who actually, yesterday, there was video on Troika Collective's Instagram page of him being arrested, uh, Juan Orlando Hernandez, the former dictator and uh, narco-ruler of Honduras after the coup. Uh, He was seen walking out of his house in shackles from the head to the toe, so that's pretty exciting, hopefully, uh, continuing forward, the people of Honduras are able to see, uh, you know, responsibility and accountability, uh, for those who committed crimes against them, as we're seeing in places like Bolivia, where Evo Morales, uh, you know, was overthrown in a coup in 2019, the MAS party suffered a lot of repression and police violence, um, but now in 2022, with Luis Arce leading the way and the Movimiento al Socialismo, uh, incredibly, uh, emboldened and encouraged by the, uh, trial of, uh, Janine Añez, which is going on, uh, completely, uh, set in motion by the continued efforts of the United States and outside forces from the United Nations to overthrow the popular government the a national state within Bolivia, uh, such as the recent attempt to send weapons through agricultural shipments to far right movements. Um, that's something you can read on the People's Dispatch web- website, uh, as well as Multipolarista, which is, uh, Ben Norton's new webpage. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that What we got to understand when we're looking at a lot of these movements across the the world is they have an ability to connect with the masses, right? I mean, look at those streets, man. Those streets in Bolivia and in Colombia and in Chile and in Brazil and in all kinds of places across Africa and in Asia, those streets are filled to the brim with working class and exploited people who are emboldened and encouraged enough to hold up signs that say down with the dictatorship, you know, give us our democracy, uh, condemning the acts of violence, stuff that, you know, ultimately puts a target on your head. And a lot of these folks who have participated in these protests across the world have wound up dead. They killed, uh, uh, Bertha in, uh, I forget where it is now, uh, uh, a rural and, uh, uh, environmental organizer, uh, an extremely strong organizer, I can't think of what her last name is or the country she got killed in, it might have been Brazil. It seems like it might have been Brazil or it might have been Colombia because Colombia also uh, has suffered some of the most brutal repression since the 70s and 80s against their ongoing movement. So those streets, right, the way they are filled, compare that and contrast it to a few weeks ago when that fucking cop got killed uh, in New York City and they had all those fucking fascists out there in uniform walking around basically doing the sig aisle and out here just marching to to defend you know this person who by all means you know I guess shouldn't have died because we we don't really expect or want human beings to die but you put on that uniform you you know go out there and you police these streets right and you you have that power and that that place in society and uh You know, these folks expect that nothing bad comes from that. These folks expect that there's no consequences for actions for years and years of repression. And yeah, this kid that died might not have fucking done anything. I don't know. I don't even know who the fuck it was. I don't care. Um, But I do think that if this kid was killed, it's not because nothing. It's not because some fucking maniac, you know... Anyways, I'm, I'm getting too caught on this point. If we look at the contrast right here on Turtle Island, and even the contrast in Palestine, right, with the IDF forces continuously going into places like Sheikh Jarrah and uh, East Jerusalem and uh, attacking Palestinian folks, attacking elderly folks, attacking children, right, burning down houses, destroying and bulldozing entire lifetime memories for families without a second thought Um, because to Israel the settler colonial state not the apartheid state not the you know uh, dictatorship or whatever the fucking settler colonial project that is Israel uh, is dehumanizing Palestinian people for the intention of stealing their land killing them, stealing their labor, and stealing, you know, anything else they can before uh, they kill them. It's the shit, 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 fucking shit reality. And I hate talking about it because everybody gets bummed out. I get bummed out. And it's like a hard thing because also you got to sit here and try to break it down for people because there's so much misinformation and propaganda so we're going to hit on that here in a second, and then we're going to go towards what it is to try to connect with the masses, what it is to try to you know learn about the reality that sits in front of us, and how it is uh, you know possible to use these things, to use the people and their sentiments, their energy, to be able to use the reality and the information that we have, put them all together, and be able to build a movement that is capable of eradicating inequality, exploitation, and oppression. So, talking about propaganda and misinformation, there's a few different approaches we can take to this situation. I think there's four altogether. So, we know that the average American, and I spell that with a K, right? The average white person, the average working and exploited person as well, but most importantly and most probably white men, because of the character and the connection that they have to the system and the way in which the system oftentimes uses them as what we might call prison guards for the system. If we look at the fact that the majority of people here and across the world are ignorant to the fact that they are exploited and oppressed, or at least ignorant to the fact of how they are exploited and oppressed and how they must fight for their liberation, then again we have four approaches that we can take once we understand that once we realize that once we know what's causing it and once we understand what we want to do about it one we can attack ignorant people we can go after folks who say racist shit we can go after people who do racist shit right and i don't think that's a bad thing i don't think that we should not do that the second thing we we can do is we can attack we can attack the institutions that are leading to and furthering the sentiments and the systems and the practices by which this oppression, exploitation, and division is continuing. The third thing we can do is we can look at ourselves. We can look at our organizations. We can look at our forms of struggle, and we can see whether or not they have been successful, whether or not they've been uh, you know, capable of being successful. So if we're looking at our organizations and our, our forms of struggle... We're not doing it necessarily from a uh, dogmatic uh, standpoint. We're not looking at people's movements across the world and going, "Well, you know, when I read the State and Revolution, and uh, when I read uh, this book, it didn't, it didn't say that we got to do that yet." Yeah, it's because it was in Russia in 1917 or in China in 1949 or, you know, what I'm saying, like. Eh, it's not, it's not a one-to-one ratio here. You can't even take the way in which you fucking, you know, build a relationship with one person to another person. You can't do relationships with every single person the same way you do relationships with every other person. So why do you think you can do a revolution, one of the most complicated and difficult, you know, uh, accomplishments uh, that that we can we can do? Why do you think he could do that just simply the same way that it's always been done? As if, you know, the repressive and reactionary forces haven't read the same fucking books we have. The fucking Marine uh, General, uh, the guy who was on the stand not too long ago for something to do with Trump, he was talking about the fact that he read uh, Guerrilla Warfare and he's read most of Mao's work. He, uh, uh, Bannon... Bannon, I think, calls himself a Leninist. He said he loves Lenin. And then you got um uh what the fuck is his name? Oh god damn it. There's folks there's folks on, on you know what we would call the right who who try to appropriate working class ideals. Uh you know, remember that? Nineteen twenties slash thirties, Germany and Italy, you remember that? Uh uh you know, capitalizing on the sentiments of the working class exploitation and oppression and using it to push towards fascism. You remember that? Yeah, that's happening and it has been happening in the United States for as long as the United States has been called the United States because in order to be the United States, the United States needs a front. It needs an army. It needs a militant force that can be called upon at any moment to reinforce and re-stabilize uh, you know stabilize The white supremacist, capitalist, and imperialist class system that is the very foundation for the settler colonial project that we call America. So because of that, we have to understand that the fourth option that we really have is all of the above. I think quite personally, there's a way in which that we can establish our organizations and our movements that learn from all of what is going on across the world and is able to implement also the lessons that we have learned from our own successes, our own failures here on Turtle Island and also does not capitulate to the fact that this nation is a settler colonial one, does not capitulate to this Americanized ideal of socialism, that does not capitulate to this reactionary and backwards, uh, quote, working class sentiment that we see all across this nation the, and, and other European uh, nations as well that is not what we're going for because look at how close american and patriotic socialism is to the different types of working class movements that existed in germany pre uh you know fascism in italy pre fascism in spain pre fascism right if we look at all of these countries where uh, you know independence movements or self determination movements have been captured by reactionary and repressive forces and used instead to attack different national and ethnic groups or different religious groups, this is the reality that we are facing. so if we ignore the fact that patriotic socialism not only is a contradictory uh, you know idea. But is also a harmful one, then we are playing into the hands of people that we don't want to be playing into the hands to, whether consciously or unconsciously. And yes, that is a call out to Caleb Maupin and everybody else who's supporting him and supporting his type of ideas about uh, American uh, and patriotic socialism. I have much to learn, so Caleb, you know, if you ever end up hearing this or anybody passes it on, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know what you really think because I'm gonna be honest with you. I've spent almost no time going into your work. I've seen your episode with the homie Ramiro. I uh, was there the time you hopped on the live stream and uh, I've watched a a few of your recent videos and I gotta say, I don't know what the fuck you're doing and I don't know why the fuck you have, uh, you know, any kind of a following. But, you know, I could be an ignorant asshole who just hasn't done my research. So, hey, reach out. I said the email in the beginning of the episode. You know where I'm at. Uh but anyways, I uh I think that it's important not to say this because I think I know better because I think uh you know, this is the way we got to go. But because each one of us right in the 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 struggle here and in, uh, in the movement here has a lot of different ideas, and we got to get that sorted out because you know what? As Kwame Ture says, we can't simply be united against things like capitalism and imperialism. We have to be united for things, and we can't be just united for some vague idea because when it gets down to the brass tacks, we got to actually do what needs to be done. We got to accomplish our goals, and we got to be successful in achieving what the masses need. There isn't time for argument. There isn't time for a debate. You know, there isn't time for opposition. It's time for action. It's time for lockstep movement. And it's time for the masses of people to get what the masses of people need. Not what we, the people who think we know best or think we know better than the masses, think the masses need. Keep that in mind, right?
1: Moving forward. Moving forward
0: here, I want to also discuss the way in which we organize ourselves, right? And I also want to discuss some of the stuff that we've done Uh, in the past that I think uh, is pretty good, pretty good, you know. Um, So I was talking to the homie the other day, and I I won't say their name because you'll understand why in a moment. And we were talking about the fact that a lot of the organization we see is, you know, for good or for bad, incredibly mutually, mutual aid oriented. And again, for good or for bad i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing i think because we're in the middle of a pandemic where a lot of people don't have what they need mutual aid is one of the most important things that we can be doing to be able to connect with people and not only just to connect with people but people got to eat you know what the fuck you got food i got food grocery stores got food we got a house we got eat uh people don't people are on the side of the street dying in the cold right now people are on the side of the street getting beaten up by cops because they're a little stoned or because they're a little high right little doped up. Folks are getting thrown in jail for, you know, doing some of the dumbest shit they've probably done, done in their life, but not anything that's killing anybody, not anything that, uh, you know, is really harming anyone
1: except for themselves. So why is it then that in that way we are going to sit here and, uh, you know, do nothing about that? Well, that's that's not what
0: we're trying to do. But on the other end of that stick, what we also have to realize is Just focusing on mutual aid can develop a type of struggle that seems to be geared towards temporary solutions and the allevement of certain symptoms of the capitalist and imperialist system, rather than, in fact, working towards
1: eradicating the capitalist and imperialist system. But again, you know, we're at a certain stage in our development. The struggle has much to do, much to learn. Uh, I myself have much to do and much to learn. And so I mainly point this out so as to say that we have much to do and much to learn. So let's do it, you know?
0: I, uh, I'm i looking at a lot of the different things that are going on across Turtle Island. A lot of the indigenous led, black led, Latino led, uh, immigrant led movements that are working towards you know, trying to fight for different kinds of um, freedoms, different kinds of legislation for oppressed groups of people. And uh, it's been pretty fucking cool. And uh, comparing that to a lot of the movements that were going on in the 70s and
1: the 80s, a lot of this shit is starting to look, you know, pretty similar. We're starting to see some, you know, militant movements that uh,
0: are out there they're really you know helping people out they're really doing political education like the Claudia Jones school for political
1: education
0: um there's a few other schools
1: there in the city um uh that are you know very african focused very focused on the uh traditions cultures and um uh uh practices of you know uh, african people so as to break down the forms of white supremacy and uh, oppression that exist here uh, within the United States against, you know, especially black folks. Um, And, uh, you know, very similar things are being done for uh, farm workers, being done for immigrants, being done for uh, Latinos, being done for Asians, being done for people from all different walks of life, because unfortunately, all these different groups of people all these different you know uh, yeah groups of people, all of them are facing different kinds of oppression, repression, and
0: exploitation they're not different in essence, but they are different in form in some cases you know you have some uh some ways in which the capitalist and imperialist ruling class tries to divide and conquer so they can't come at people the exact same way because then we could all turn around and go hey they're doing the same fucking shit to me so instead they give us you
1: know and this isn't necessarily because there's some big brain you know illuminati type shit going on but essentially the systems that we have today developed the way they did because the interaction between different cultures and communities uh, was not always the same. You know, uh, when the United States and other European powers went into China and Asia and began to try to take land and labor forces and resources and everything out of there, there was different cultures, there was different histories, there was different, you know, events, different leaders, different ideas, than when the United States did the same in, say, the Caribbean. This is just plain, you know, reality, you know. Uh, Again, when you have an interaction with one person, you might talk about the same thing, and when you go to talk to somebody else, they have a completely different reaction, and you end up having a completely different conversation. Well, because of that, different forms of oppression developed, Different forms of exploitation developed. And of course, as we know, over time, a lot of them eventually began to look very similar, began to operate very similarly, and began to be defended and fought for by a lot of these similar groups. However, the reality is that because of this, you know, you can't always get exploited and oppressed people from all walks of life, to in a moment's notice, you know come together and be able to build that solidarity that we need it's a journey you know we have a lot of propaganda, a lot of misinformation, a lot of egos, and a lot of uh you know shit to shed myself included, and uh, I have you know to recognize that
0: the only way that I personally can really you know break down these barriers between myself and And different groups of people who because of my upbringing and because of my
1: you know geographical location i'm not oftentimes in contact with or in community with i have to take the time upon myself to really really reach out to different groups to different communities to different people in my area and let them know you know the same as anyone else that i'm here i'm here to help i'm a pair of helping hands However I can be of assistance, please let me know. You know what I'm saying? And like really mean that. Because like we can't
0: just go around and say like, oh, I care about this person's struggle or I care about these people's struggles and then like never do anything about it. That's why, you know, we got to do something. And mutual aid is something. But what stinks about the fact that a lot of what we're focusing on is mutual aid centered Again, dropping back to what we were talking about, the way in which police will react to, you know, things like even something like a people's bazaar or like a book handout, right? Where like folks are just on the side of the road or in their own little neighborhood and they're selling books, they're selling tchotchkes, they're selling, you know, little uh, uh, handouts, little, uh, you know, clothes, stuff like that. Or even just passing it out. Cops will show up and fucking uh, take that shit. There was a video in oh
1: fuck where was it?
0: I think it was the fucking city. I think it was New York City. There's a video of cops walking up to this little uh, PPE slash you know canned good distribu- dis- distribution, and they just started confiscating everything. And they were like, "Yeah, you don't have a permit to sit, to be selling this shit here, so we got to take this. This is all this is all contraband." I would love to see the the picture. You know how they always do the picture? The drug busts? I'd love to see the picture where they have just a bunch of fucking, you know, canned noodles and beans and shit and fucking <coughs> books and clothes
1: and shit. That's that's real cool. Shout out! Um, I think it's very funny that, uh, you know, they exist and, and uh, nothing's happened about that. But anyways... um that's
0: kind of what I'm talking about. Like we have all these mutually centered programs, but if we don't
1: actually build programs that are also meant to defend against the violent repression of the police, eh,
0: it's a dangerous situation. We, uh, you know, we don't really know the level of repression and violence that the police are
1: capable of because they continue intensifying it. They continue adding to that. And so because of that, we have to realize that when folks like George Jackson, Huey P. Newton, the American Indian movement and others throughout history and, you know, Turtle Island and across the world say, listen, uh, you know, we uh, we're not going to just sit here and let you fucking step on us. We're not going to sit here and let you treat us like shit. And that doesn't mean that all these groups were just guns a blazing, that they were just going out here and killing
0: folks. Because that's the picture that you know, a lot of folks wanna paint. A lot of folks get romanticized with this violence, right? A lot of folks read the first chapter of Frantz Fanon and that's that, <laughs> that's it, right? But violence is an act of resistance. Violence is a form of self-defense. So when we are struggling to give unhoused people, shelter, clothes, food, And some cops show up and start beating up on us. Or if we're driving around in our neighborhood and we see folks on the side of the road being harassed by these boys in blue. Then we got to have some kind of organization. We got to have some kind of unity and some kind of solidarity that is built. That means that these folks aren't just going to get away with that. You know, you're not just going to keep going around killing folks. You're not going to just kill Amir Locke, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd and get away with it. That's, you know, a dangerous discussion. One that I have a hard time really having on the show because I am genuinely concerned for whatever implications that has on me and my significant
1: other and my loved ones, you know. Um, But I also realize that that's the truth. The truth is the United States is a violent, repressive and fascist
0: state, by my opinion, by George Jackson's and by plenty of others. A lot of folks don't like that capital F fascist description of the United States. But you know what? What else do you call it? What else do you call it? Do we keep calling it a capitalist imperialist dictatorship? Do we keep splitting the hairs here? Or do we realize that fascism has reformed, reanalyzed the situation and studied and learned about the ways in which revolution is going to be waged and learned how to put that down, make sure people don't get to that point, and if they do, how to put them down too. What else do you call it? You want to call it an imperialist system? Call it an imperialist system, because you're not wrong. But if I see one more person arguing over whether or not the United States is fascist, I'm giving up. I'm giving up. That's it. That's it. Uh, the shit we get focused on, right? But the shit we should be focusing on is the fact that Amir Locke was 22 years old, had a rifle and used it, uh, you know, legally, intelligently, and was still killed uh, because Amir Locke was alone. And Amir Locke, if nobody's coming to defend him, will not see justice. Um, Unless, you know, the people, that's you and me, that's everyone in this country, calls for real justice. And I'm not talking about, no, let's throw him in jail for a few years Let's put his, you know, his uh, mugshot all over so, you know, when he gets out, he can just get a job in the police department fucking a county over. No, I'm talking about real justice and real justice comes from tribunals uh, that are set up by the people. Real justice comes from the people's justice. And I'm not going to get into too much depth because, you know what, I'm not going to blow smoke because guess what? That shit doesn't exist here. It's not happening. There's no one, there's no roving group going around taking out killer cops. So the reality of the situation is this. We're under attack from every angle. And our enemies spare no compassion. They have absolutely no concern for your well-being, for your mom's well-being, for your grandma's well-being. Shit, they're trying to get rid of Social Security and Medicaid right now. Some episodes with by any means necessary, than talking about how they're trying to co-op, you know, Medicaid and essentially drain it. Go look at the way in which we're incarcerating people. Because I guarantee you got someone in your family or one of your friends that's been to jail, maybe is in prison, right? Look at the way in which they take care of these children at 18 years old, throw them into the military, traumatize them with these videos and this abuse and this torture of, you know, uh drill and everything trying to build this discipline when in fact they're just breaking these kids down and then they sem- send them across the country to kill and to kill for what oil money to kill for some you know rich asshole who doesn't know your name won't ever know your name couldn't care less to know your name wanna know why because soldiers have been and always will be peasants in uniform lenin said it it was true in the cuban revolution It was true in the revolutions throughout Africa. It was true in the revolutions throughout Asia. And it will be true here on Turtle Island. The people who are going to be sent to war, if we go to war, are going to be the most exploited and oppressed people who just need a fucking college education. And that's the reality. And guess what? You probably have friends that are in the military for that very same fucking reason. Get them out of there. Go talk to your friends. Go
1: talk to them. You don't got to abuse them. You don't got to put them down, but go talk to them. Last thing I want to say before I go is this. We have a lot of work to do,
0: right? But we got to start somewhere. So don't think that just because we got so much to do, we can't do anything. We can't do this because it's not right or we can't do this because it's not the right moment or we can't do this because we got to do more. Listen, if you're out there in these streets and you're handing out food and you're talking to people about socialism, or even talking to people about the fact that they need community, you're doing 10 times better than most people who, A, listen to this podcast, listen to any podcast, or B, call themselves socialists and communists. You know, if you're out there training people on how to use weapons, training people how to hide from the police, you know, training people how to, you know, go uh, undercover, go underground, like that's uh, illegal. Ha, gotcha. Ha. No, I'm playing. No, if you're doing real work, if you're out here training people, helping people protect themselves, committing to self-defense legally and using weapons for the intended use that the United States government and the Constitution allows us to do so, then in fact, you are doing real work. So wink wink you know anyways uh folks we got a lot to do we got a lot of work to do we got a lot of building to do a lot of unity to grow and a lot of
1: solidarity to develop so let's get building let's get growing let's get working long live the revolution long live the people and we'll see you next time folks stay revolutionary stay safe stay healthy peace